Old Testament book of Micah. Micah chapter 5. If you're using the Bible provided for you, and yeah, I may suggest this, Micah chapter 5 is on page 658. If you're using your own Bible, good luck. Uh, <laughs> Micah is a short book uh, at the end of the Old Testament. Uh, it can be hard to find. Uh, it comes right after Jonah, if that helps. Uh, As I read uh, this from Micah chapter 5, keep in mind the amazing fact that these words in Micah chapter 5 were written 700 years before the first Christmas. It's stunning. 700 years before the event, God announced through Micah that there would come a special birth of a Savior in these words. Micah chapter 5, beginning at verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, even though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor gives birth and the rest of his brothers return to the Israelites, return and to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord, his God, and they will live securely. For then his greatness will reach the ends of the earth, and he will be their peace. God knows what I need this Christmas. God knows what you need. And God's perfect gift is described in the words of Micah's prophecy. In this amazing prophecy, God promises the perfect gift of peace. This prophecy is amazing for many reasons, including the way it gives specifics about the birth of the Messiah and does it 700 years in advance. 700 years is a long time. Try to get your mind around 700 years. As Americans, when we think of ancient history, we think of George Washington and Benjamin Franklin and the founding fathers of our nation. The United States is 235 years old. But God gave Micah this prophecy over 700 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And this miraculous fulfillment is just one of over 300 messianic prophecies in the Old Testament that was fulfilled by Jesus. Genesis chapter 49 says that the Savior would descend from the tribe of Judah. Isaiah 7 says that he would be born of a virgin. Isaiah 9 says that he would live in Galilee. Isaiah 53 says that he would die next to criminals. Psalm 22 says that he would have his hands and feet pierced. And Psalm 16 says that after death he would resurrect from the tomb. 
Does the fact that God fulfills over 300 prophecies written hundreds of years earlier, does this fulfillment miracle relate to your experience of peace in this life? Yes, it does. But let me come back to that a few moments uh, from now. Now, let's study the words of this prophecy for its important information about how God brings his peace into my life. The summary statement appears in verse 5 of chapter 5, which says, And he will be their peace. What does it mean that he will be their peace? Well, the answer is found in the words of this prophecy itself. When we study these words of this prophecy, we learn that the statement, he will be their peace, means that the Savior makes it possible for me to experience both peace with God and the peace of God. Let's look at both of these elements, starting with the idea that the Savior from Bethlehem brings me peace with God. Notice the words of uh, Micah's prophecy. Out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor gives birth. Micah says that there will be a child born in Bethlehem whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Now, you don't need to be a Bible scholar to correctly assume that the prophet is referring to the birth of a pre-existent being, that somehow this child born in Bethlehem is a pre-existent being who comes from outside of time into the space and time in our earthly experience. What you may not know is that this prophecy contains some code words that confirm that the prophet is specifically referring to God coming to be born on earth. Bible scholars will tell you that in particular, the word translated ancient is a code word title for God. In Isaiah chapter 43, God says, from ancient days... I am he. And throughout the book of Daniel, uh, the author uh, gives, gives a title to God, which is the Ancient of Days. So Micah is saying that the Savior is God himself who comes to make it possible for people who are separated from God to have peace with God. Because the very next verse in the prophecy sets up the problem. Uh, verse 3 says, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor gives birth. The word abandon refers to our whole history of separation from God as human beings through our sin. Uh, through Adam, 
we became rebels who abandoned God. And then the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 1 that God gave us over to our abandonment of God and our separation from God. We are separated from God. But the Savior born in Bethlehem will be our peace. The Savior will make it possible for abandoned people to find peace with God. But this prophecy also implies what is stated clearly in other places in Scripture, that not everyone finds peace with God. In the words of this prophecy, verse 4 says that this peace is only for the shepherd's flock. And in verse 3, it's only for those who return to God and his people. This peace promise does not apply to everyone. Uh, also becomes obvious at the first Christmas when an angel appears to the shepherds and the angel says, glory to God in the highest and on earth Peace, not to everyone, but only to those on whom God's favor rests. The angel says that peace with God is only for those who who have received God's favor. And the ones who receive God's favor are those who return to God and receive God's forgiveness through faith in the Savior born in Bethlehem. The angel is saying that before anyone can receive the peace of God, there must first be peace with God. Before you can receive the peace of God, you must make peace with God. If you have never come to the point where you admit that you are separated from God and you receive his forgiveness, then the Bible says that you are still at odds with God. You are still abandoned. Uh, you are still in a place where you need to make peace with God. And it may be that your life is in turmoil right now uh, because God loves you too much. God loves you so much that he wants the turmoil in your life to push you toward the Savior, Jesus. It may be that God loves you so much that he will not let you rest in this life until you return to him. Whether or not your life is in turmoil right now, the truth is you will never experience the peace of of God until you make peace with God. And you may say, well, I'm all set then because you see, I received Jesus as my Savior and I have accepted him as my Savior. Slow down. You need to ask one more question. Uh, You need to ask yourself whether you are living a lifestyle of peace with God. Micah describes the Savior as a ruler in verse 2 and a shepherd in verse 4. Ruler and shepherd. This Savior intends to lead his people. And so I must understand that the only way I can live in peace with uh, this shepherd is to live under his leadership. If I am resisting the shepherd's leadership in my life, I am not at peace with the shepherd. And I will never experience the peace 
of the shepherd if I'm not at peace with the shepherd. So many of us complain about a lack of God's promised peace in our lives. We say, God, where is this peace you promised uh, me when I follow you? Give me the peace. Where is this promise? You're not fulfilling your promise of peace to me. You see, we can be really quick to demand the peace of God while ignoring the Holy Spirit's conviction that we are not living a lifestyle of peace with God. I cannot experience the peace of God if I'm not living in peace with God. And I won't experience the peace of God if I'm disobeying God's clear commands in Scripture. Or if I am rejecting God's uh, plan for my life. Or I'm refusing to follow the shepherd. In His Word, God explains what it means to follow the leading of the shepherd. Following the shepherd is a lifestyle of seeking to know God by studying His Word and spending time and turning to God in prayer. Seeking to please God by resisting temptations of the tongue and the mind and the body. Seeking to be faithful by sharing Jesus and showing His love to other people. Seeking to be unselfish and giving generously to God's work in the church, serving in the body, and committing to community. Now, am I saying that you have to be sinless in order to experience the peace of God? No. The Bible says that none of us are sinless. We're all sinners. But the point is not perfection. It is intention. It is possible for me to say that I'm at peace with God when I actually have no intention at all of doing God's will or of pleasing God with my life. I am not at peace with God if I refuse His leadership in my life. If I'm refusing God's demand to resolve conflict with the people in my life, if I'm refusing God's command to forgive people who have hurt me, uh, if I'm refusing His command to be generous and to seek to please God with my time and my talent and my treasure, if the shepherd leads one way and I intentionally choose to go my own way, I am not at peace with God. And so I will not experience the peace of God. Christmas is a good time to evaluate whether you are at peace with God. If you have not received forgiveness through faith in Jesus, this is the perfect time to receive God's perfect gift in the Savior. If you are a Christ follower, uh, maybe you've wandered off into a, a wrong lifestyle or a wrong relationship. This is the perfect time to receive God's perfect gift. This is the perfect time to stop what needs to be stopped, start what needs to be started, and return to the shepherd who extends his forgiveness so that you experience the peace of God through a lifestyle of peace with God. Which leads to the second thought uh, from Micah. The Savior from Bethlehem brings me the peace of God. 
This amazing prophecy from Micah explains that once I have peace with God, the Savior also makes it possible for me to experience the peace of God in my life. So beginning with verse 4, Micah says, The Savior will stand and shepherd his flock, and they will live securely, and he will be their peace. This is the perfect God, uh, the perfect gift that God wants to me to receive uh, this Christmas and every day, and that is to live securely. God himself is born in Bethlehem to be a shepherd who gives his people complete security. In John chapter 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I guide my sheep. I feed my sheep. I never leave my sheep. I care for my sheep. In fact, I know every one of my sheep, one by one, by name. That's what Jesus says in John chapter 10. This answers how God arranges to give his peace to his people. God brings his peace by his personal presence with his people. There's a psalm that uh, most of us know. Uh, It's the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Jen and I lived in Scotland for uh, two years. And for those two years, we lived next to sheep. Uh, everywhere there were sheep. We would walk around, there were sheep. We drove through pastures covered with thousands and thousands of sheep. And in all that time, we only saw one lamb lying down. Uh, And I did a little research, and I found out that uh, it's true, that sheep hardly ever lie down. They rarely lie down because... They are very worried creatures. Sheep are very kind of skittish and very easily frightened. And so most sheep will only lie down in the presence of their shepherd. Most sheep will only lie down when they can see the shepherd and keep the shepherd in their line of sight. That is why the shepherd in Micah, Micah's prophecy, That's why the shepherd stands. The shepherd stands on a high place so that the sheep can see him and relax and be at peace. The shepherd stands up so the sheep can lie down. David is the author of the 23rd Psalm, and David was a shepherd by trade, and he knew all about sheep. And he says, I am one of those one in a million lambs who can lie down because I have God for my shepherd and I have my eyes on him. And because he stands up, I can lie down with absolute peace. And God wants me to be a one in a million lamb who can lie down in this world can really be at peace. But I'll never have that peace if I focus on my problems and my troubles. Micah says, and he will be their peace. In other words, in this prophecy, 
Peace is a person. God's peace is a person. And so the best thing I can do is look at the shepherd. You'll never be able to live securely if you're looking in the wrong place. If you're looking to money to give you security, you're looking in the wrong place. If you're looking to relationships and romance to give you security, you're looking in the wrong place. If you're looking to entertainment or toys or material things to give you security, you're looking in the wrong place. You'll only experience the peace of God when you focus on the person who is your peace. And did you know that there is now measurable evidence that Christ followers experience more peace than anyone else? A couple of years ago, the Barna Research Group conducted extensive interviews with over 4,000 adults. And these 4,000 adults included people who called themselves atheists, agnostics, Muslims, Jews, Buddhists, Hindus, nominal Christians, and dedicated Christ followers. And the results were shocking in their conclusiveness. Dedicated Christ followers were the smallest group in the sample, but they had by far the healthiest scores. The research demonstrated that dedicated Christ followers, as opposed to nominal Christians, dedicated Christ followers were the most fulfilled, most confident, most satisfied with life, least worried, and had the lowest stress scores. At the other end of the scale, atheists were the least fulfilled, least confident, least satisfied with life, most worried, and had the highest stress uh, test levels. As the researchers analyzed the data, they saw a logical connection between the healthy response of the Christ follower and the unhealthy response of the atheist. They discovered that one's faith determined one's worldview, and one's worldview determined one's level of peace in life. Worldview covers a lot of topics, but the research has determined that the most important aspect of worldview with regard to peace is a person's self-identity. The atheists gave indications of a very low self-identity. They were concerned about the future because they saw themselves as powerless specks being blown by the wind of chance. They were victims of fate and insignificant life forms in the grand evolutionary scheme. On the other hand, dedicated Christ followers indicated a much higher self-identity. They were not worried about the future because they saw themselves as children who were secure in the hands of an all-powerful father who gave them a sense of purpose and assured them that they were significant, loved, and cared for. You can see the dynamic here. The atheists have no other choice but to focus on their problems and their troubles. But Christ followers can choose to focus on the shepherd instead of their problems. Focus on a shepherd who holds the future, who gives direction, who loves and cares for his sheep. Peace is a person. 
I experience God's peace when I look to Jesus and I see this one who cares for me and has complete control. And this is where I need to go back to the way that God arranges to fulfill every one of those 300 Old Testament prophecies. This is where I need to go back to Micah and his prophecy that the Savior will be born in Bethlehem. You know, God chose Mary and Joseph to be uh, the parents of this Savior. But you know the problem, right? They lived in Nazareth, uh, which is 85 miles from Bethlehem. Meanwhile, the Roman Empire is at its height. The Roman Empire extended as far north as England, uh, as far south as Africa, and as far east as Asia. And there's never been a kingdom like this in history. And the emperor of this vast domain is Caesar Augustus. And Caesar Augustus had the power to pretty much do whatever he wanted to do. And so with a stroke of his pen, uh, he decided to do something he had never done before. He decided to enforce a tax-related census that would require people to report to certain cities. Caesar Augustus thought that this was his idea. But the Gospel of Luke in chapter 2 and the rest of Scripture makes it clear that this whole worldwide census was inspired by God to bring one man and one woman from Nazareth to Bethlehem to fulfill Micah's 700-year-old prophecy. Scripture teaches that God is in complete control of the small and the large events of history. And when the details of your life are in the hands of one who has complete control of history, you can live in complete peace. In 1990, my friends and I were caught up in March Madness, and uh, we were all cheering on the men's UConn uh, basketball team toward a NCAA championship. And March 22nd was the big semifinal between Connecticut and Clemson at the Meadowlands, and I got all involved in one of those situations where uh, when the game was over, I had uh, two friends who had not seen the game, and so they wanted to see uh, the game game in its entirety about an hour after the game concluded. Uh, so we watched a recording together of the game. Uh, they did not know how the game turned out, but of course I knew who won and who lost. And so I had the opportunity to watch these two friends as they watched the game unfold. Uh, then came the terrifying ending when Connecticut was down 69 to 70 with only one second left on the clock. It looked hopeless for Connecticut. Then UConn Scott Burrell throws a pass the length of the basketball court to Tate George, who turns around, shoots, releases the ball, the buzzer sounds, and the ball goes through the hoop. And Connecticut wins 71-70 to over Clemson. And after the big celebration, we talked about the game. 
And one, uh, one friend was still complaining of chest pains and uh, it was uh, all sweaty and he had heartburn and indigestion surrounded by crushed paper cups. Uh, my other friend uh, said that he never broke a sweat. He wasn't afraid because, you see, this guy knows me really well. And he said that during the tense parts of the game, he would just look at me and he knew everything was going to be all right. And so he could just sit back and enjoy the game. And this experience explains why when the shepherd stands, you can lie down and be at peace. I was trying to keep a straight face through that whole game, but someone who knew me really well could study me and find certainty in an uncertain situation. Security comes down to who you know. And through the uncertainties in this life, there is a shepherd who stands so that you can look at him and live securely. And during this game of life, God does not have a poker face on. God says to his children, look at me. Everything is going to be all right in the end. It looks impossible right now, but you are going to win. You are secure. Everything is under my control. If I can arrange world history to fulfill 700-year-old prophecies, I can arrange the details of your life, even the most difficult circumstances, to become part of my good plan for you. You can live securely. You don't need to fear the future or regret the past. You can be at peace because even your eternity is secure. So look at me. Find security. Sit back and enjoy the game. And that's the problem. Many of us are not enjoying the game of our one and only life because we're wasting our best days with worry and fear instead of experiencing the everyday joy that God wants to give us. Well, God has been seeing this happening in your life, and He has the perfect gift for you. And you don't need to wait to Christmas Day to open it. God wants you to open this gift right now. God wants you to receive the peace of the shepherd. A peace with God that leads to the peace of God. This is God's perfect gift for you. Would you please stand now as we close? God, thank you for giving us everything that we need to be at peace with you and then experience your peace in our lives. And you've given us that perfect gift through a person. The person is our peace, the person of Jesus. We thank you now for coming now as we follow you and your leadership, O great shepherd. Give us your sheep, your peace to share with others as well. And we pray it in your name and for your glory. Amen.